0: Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather together this morning. we want to thank you for the joy that it is to be part of the body of Christ. To be able to have fellowship and to come together for worship and praise and to be able to support one another and care for one another and we thank you for the role that you've given us in the body of Christ and thank you for all the gifts and abilities and skills that you've granted to different members, but that in Jesus Christ we are one. We thank you for that unity in Christ that we are united to Christ and so are one as he is the head and we are his body. We thank you that he is the head. He is sovereign, supreme. He is our Lord and our Savior. And Lord, we praise you for that, for you are great. You are worthy of praise. We thank you, Lord, that we can come before you with our burdens and our joys and that we can express them freely and that we never have to worry that you are going to reject us. You tell us to come and to enter boldly into your throne room of grace to receive help in time of need and that is and what we are doing now. We thank you that not only can we come, but you are God who hears and answers prayer. And Lord, for those burdens of our heart that maybe have not been mentioned or that I have overlooked this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would meet us individually. We would know. We would know that we have a God who is alive and active and that Jesus Christ is the mediator between man and God. Where we cannot pray, we trust that your Holy Spirit is interceding for us with groanings that cannot be uttered, we thank you for that. You hear, whether it is through us as instruments speaking or whether it is through the Holy Spirit, Lord, you know the cry of our heart and we thank you for that. We thank you that you are not an unresponsive God, but that you are a responsive God. That as we call upon your name, you hear, you answer, you move, not for our selfish desires, but for truly our eternal good and for your glory. We thank you that we have opportunity this morning to look into your word, and we pray that you would guide us by your word, that as as we look, as we read, that you would cause us to consider, that you would grant us wisdom in it and discernment in it, and grant us by your spirit the conviction of heart to take and apply the truth of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Colossians chapter 1. The title of the message this morning is, We Are a Working Work in Progress. We are a working work in progress. Now, this is not part of the series. We just, last week, wrapped up the series, Essentials of the Faith, which was looking at seven key statements, doctrine statements, that we affirm to be true, but it is a bit of a follow-up from Essentials of the Faith, or at least from the sermon last Sunday, You may recall that the sermon last Sunday was titled Bible Based Believers and was a challenge after having looked at the essential statement of faith, essential, pivotal, unchanging truths, after having looked at them, the challenge to truly live according to them. It was a challenge to live out what we profess we believe. It was a call to action. Frankly, it was a bit of a thumping. I hope you took it that way. I took it that way. And we need that occasionally because we as believers, as those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, usually understand, maybe not completely or not in finite detail, what we believe, but we have a broad understanding of what we believe and we've looked at what we believe and the core essential statement of faith. These core doctrines that are about, generally speaking, salvation, trusting Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins, the character of God. I mean, these are some incredible truths, and we understand them. At least we have a working knowledge, we would say, of the statement of faith, of these doctrines. And yet, we very often fail to live according to them. And so it was a challenge, after having looked at that statement of faith, these are truths undeniable truths, do we live according to them? Do we live out what we believe? We asked the question last week, do we affirm the essentials of the faith? That is, the Holy Scriptures, the Trinity, the work of Christ, God's work of salvation, etc. Do we affirm them? And if we affirm them to be true, and I pray that we can, that you do, do we live accordingly? Do we treat the Bible as the Word of God? Do we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, that He lived and died and rose again, that He's coming back soon? Do we believe these things? Do we believe that God is still saving sinners through the shed blood of Jesus Christ? All of these truths and a few more fundamental, integral, non-negotiable truths of the Word of God. Do we actually believe them? And if we do, why doesn't our life reflect that? Why don't we look radically different than the world looks if we believe these radical truths? Why don't we act radically different than the world acts if we believe these radical life-altering truths? So in short, last week was a call to action a bit of a thumping, a call to obedience. It was a call to live according to the word that we profess to believe. Now, as I left the church last week, I was wondering if I didn't overemphasize that element. I call us, this body of believers, to live the Christian life. I call us to action. I call us to be busy doing the work of the kingdom. I call us to get up and get moving in our faith. But if I emphasize that exclusively, and forget that God is the source, and that God is the life in us, and that God is the means by which we do all that we do, then I do you a disservice. So I don't want to stop calling you to action. I'm going to keep doing that. As long as I have opportunity, I intend to keep calling believers, calling myself, calling the church, to hear and to heed the message. We need to live out the Word, the truth of the Word of God. And that was a central point from last week. But I do want to provide some balance to that by recognizing that this isn't something we muster up in and of ourself. This isn't a religious-based work that we must do to merit anything. We must do it, absolutely. We don't do it to merit salvation, You are called to work. We are called to do. But it isn't a glorified self-help system. And I have that concern or that fear that the more I pound on the point that we need to be active in our Christian life, the more people will think, I must do so I can gain merit. Or even that my system of faith has become a system of law, a system of works. And I don't want us to leave with that impression. I want us to be active in the kingdom, to be doing works of righteousness. And yet I want us to realize that the source, even of those works of righteousness, is Jesus Christ himself. That's why I want to turn to Colossians. So we're going to read a few verses here in Colossians, and then we're going to spend a bit of time skipping around to different passages to speak of the work that we're called to, but also the work that Jesus Christ is doing Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 9. And I am missing some major important portions of this passage, but I am looking at our work and the work of Jesus Christ. So we're going to start at verse 9 to the end of verse 14, and then we're going to skip down to verse 24. Paul says to the church in Colossae, for this reason, that reason being verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. So for this reason, your faith and your love, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will that is the will of god in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the lord fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And down to verse 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. May God bless to us the reading of his word this morning. Verse 15 to verse 18 is probably one of the most powerful and the greatest passages of the word of God and we're going to skip it this morning because we are looking at works but don't leave it out of the context don't leave it out of the passage i want to focus on our work and God's work in us this morning there are two things i would like you to see from this passage and from a few others that i will draw on the first is that christianity is hard work christianity is hard work that is practically speaking it is difficult it was designed to be that way. It is not easy. Simple, maybe, at times, but not easy. Christian living is difficult work. It is hard work. The second thing that I want you to see is Christianity is God's work. That it is it's something completely of God. It's something that he is orchestrating, that he is masterminding, that he is working. And we'll see that as we work through these passages. Two times in this passage that we read this morning, we see that we are called to hard labor as believers, that there is a work to do. And both times, we also see that it is God who enables or equips us for that work. In one sense, it is God that is doing that work through us. So in both those times here in this passage in in Colossians chapter one, we're called to a work, God is doing a work. We're called to a work, God is doing a work. The first of those two instances in this passage is in verse 10 and 11. Paul is calling believers in Colossae to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. How many times have you read that and just skimmed right past it? God is calling believers, here through Paul, to walk worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, fully pleasing him. You think that's easy? (laughs) Christianity is hard Work, walk worthy, walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Conduct yourself in such a way as to show how great God is. Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, so walk in a worthy manner of that, in proper reflection of that. Isn't that powerful? Walk in proper reflection of who it is that you're serving. Wow, what a statement, and how short we fall of that, don't we? It is not an easy work to walk worthy. We could say, walk up to the bar that I'm setting for you. Old Testament, impossible. Walk according to these Ten Commandments. Come on, there's only ten things. And that would be easier than saying, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This is saying, walk as a son or a daughter of the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Live in such a manner that you would reflect him well, that you would bring praise to him, that you would bring honor to him. Walk worthy. And it doesn't just end with walk worthy of our Lord. It goes on and says, fully pleasing him. Fully pleasing. Fully, 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 completely. Completely pleasing Jesus Christ. In every area of our life, at every moment of our our life, in every joy, in every struggle, every sorrow, conduct yourself in a way so as to please Jesus Christ. That is a lofty goal. That is an incredibly high ambition. That is not easy. That is hard work. Isn't that hard work for you? It involves putting to death my selfish desires, killing my fleshly appetites, rejecting the allure of worldly things around me all the time, not giving into temptation when I want to give into temptation, not doing what I want to do when I want to do it, and it's not right. It's not easy. It was never designed to be easy. Christian life is hard work. And there is an internal and an external aspect to that as well. And we'll expand upon that in a little bit. But Christians are to be working on themselves. That is a work. But we're also to be at work in the world around us. It gets difficult. All of this work I've got to do on myself, and then I'm, I'm expected to do a whole bunch of work out in the world too. Right? We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's a pretty lofty ambition, isn't it? We're called to work. This verse continues with being fruitful in every good work. That means being productive and doing good deeds. So not just internal, but also external here. You're doing good. You're out there doing good deeds. From the challenge to walk worthy, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, we transition. We're looking there at Christianity being a difficult, being a hard work. But then we transition to Christianity being a work of God. It's not your work. It's not alone. It is a work of God. We are strengthened. It's not our strength that we're doing this in. We are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. So that is our source. That is how we do the hard work that we're called to do. We are strengthened with all might. That is His might. It is His glorious power. And it is sufficient because it's not of ourself and it's not weak and it's not finite. It is of Him. It is eternal. It is sovereign. It is glorious. It is infinite. The power is of Him and not of us. It's more than sufficient to enable us to live pleasing to Him, to walk worthy. And it says to live in patience and long suffering with joy. That is the kind of power that is to everyone who is trusting in Jesus Christ. Power to patiently endure, power to bear, to put up with, in a sense, this sin-filled world and even these sin-filled bodies. The power is of him, not of us. The call is to us, but it is his power at work within us. The passage continues from there, speaking about the work of Jesus Christ that he has accomplished He has made us, it goes on and says, partakers of the inheritance in Jesus Christ. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He has redeemed us through His blood. says He has forgiven us. See, this is the wonder of Christianity. Yeah, it's difficult. Absolutely. It is not an easy journey. But God has already done all the heavy lifting. He has done the hard work. And so, yes, we work hard and we strive, and yet we also realize that In doing so, we are resting completely in him. We are resting in him. We see that again at the end of the passage that I read. Paul, speaking of his own struggles and efforts, he reminds them that he rejoices to suffer to accomplish his calling. He was called to reveal the mystery of the church, the wonder of Christ living within those who have repented of their sins and trusted him in salvation. This is the message that Paul shared. Verse 27, Christ in you. The hope of glory. And how did he share this? Yeah, it was with suffering. It was with great effort, though. Verse 28. Him we preach, that is Jesus Christ, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect before Christ. And going on, it says, To this end I labor. Paul was determined to preach the word, he was determined to present Christ to every person at every opportunity. Paul's desire was that every individual would come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And he made it his life's work. It was his life's passion. He literally lived for it. It consumed every part of him. Does it consume every part of us? And we say, well, Paul was an apostle. He was exceptional. (laughs) But what consumes us in comparison with the glory of the gospel preached with the wonder of God's work of salvation. What consumes us? It consumed him. It should, frankly, consume us as well. Paul was determined. He worked at it. He labored at it. This is diligent work. We are called to hard work. But how does that verse 29 end? It says, striving. So he just said, I labor in this. I invest myself. I want everyone at every opportunity to hear the the message of the gospel. But he says, striving according, not by my strength, but Paul says, striving according to his, that is the working of Jesus Christ, capital H, his. Striving according to his working which works in me mightily. He was striving according to the power of God working within him. The word striving comes from the Greek word, (laughs) Agonizomehi. <laughs> Do you recognize the beginning of that, though? Agonizai. Agonize. He was striving. He was agonizing over the lost. It's also translated as to struggle, to fight, or to contend. He was agonizing over them. This is what Paul does. He strives for it. He labors. Yet he says that his his, his striving is according to Christ's work, which works in him mightily. He was striving, but Christ was striving in him. Christ is at work in him and through him. Paul is not on his own. He's not doing this on his own strength. He's not doing it on his own resources. He's not doing it with his own tools. He is doing it according to the power that is at work within him. This is a work of God. The Christian life is a work of God. We are to live it by his enabling. We are to absolutely invest ourselves in it, but we must recognize that it is his work. And that's not the only passage which speaks of us working and God working simultaneously. There's a couple of well-known passages which speak about our effort and the work that God is doing. Ephesians chapter 2 is often overlooked, for containing both of these, but it does. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, right after that glorious message, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are Christ's workmanship, his product, his handiwork, He has accomplished a beautiful work in you, and he is accomplishing a beautiful work in you. You're his masterpiece, so to speak. But he created you, and he saved you with purpose, and that was to serve him, to be about, to be busy about good works that he ordained before time began, that you should accomplish, that you should walk in. There are certain things God has appointed for you. God has called you to. God has ordained you for. Live to accomplish. Be consumed with what God has created you for. These good works that he has created you for. God is at work because you're his workmanship. We are at work because that is what he has called us to. Perhaps the best-known combination of us being at work and God being at work as far as Scripture passages is Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Because people like to take one or the other and they don't like to combine them. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Paul tells the church in Philippi, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Then it continues, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. This verse says two different things, and they're not contradictory, they're complementary. He says, Work out your salvation. That is, bring it to its intended conclusion. Live lives of practical holiness as God has called you to. Work out your own salvation. Live it. And that's what we were calling each other to. That's what I've been calling you to. Live what you say you believe. Live according to the word of God. Work it out. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. All of your efforts on your own are pointless, but in Jesus Christ are great. It will accomplish. Your efforts will accomplish nothing if it is not in Jesus Christ. You're to work, absolutely, but if you're working without him, you're spinning your wheels, you're draining yourself, you're burning yourself out, there is no point. There's no point in trying to live the Christian life on your own. You can't do it. But you're called to do it. So rely on the source that enables you to do it, Jesus Christ himself. God at work and us at work, one does not negate the other. You working does not mean God is not working, and God working does not mean you do not have to work. As it says there in Philippians, you work it out, and God's working it in you. I want to spend or give you just a couple more examples of these two points, Christianity's hard work and Christianity is God's work, and then I'll draw it to a conclusion as to why exactly I'm telling you all this. Christianity is hard work. If you ever doubted that, you haven't read much about Paul and how he expressed his Christian walk, his journey, his path. It was not an easy one. It was one of intense labor, of difficulty, of striving. We've just seen that in Colossians. But how about this one? as an example of the difficulty of the work of being a believer for Paul and a, and a call to us as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may at- obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not as with uncertainty. This is how I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That doesn't sound like a comfortable pastime. I run. I compete. I am temperate. I run in this manner, not with uncertainty. I'm, I'm diligent about it. I'm certain about it. This is how I fight. I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection not a comfortable passage it sounds like a pretty intense workout christian life is not meant to be easy 1st corinthians chapter 15 verse 10 but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace toward me was not in vain but i labored more abundantly than they all this is what paul was saying paul was able to say i worked harder than every believer in the church there in corinth in the ministry, in preaching the gospel, and presenting truth, I labored, Paul says, hard. It was hard labor. There's another one for you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Paul says, you would think that Paul wouldn't say this. You think that Paul has been perfected already or has already attained that status. But he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He labored hard. And we're called to do the same, aren't we? Strive to enter the narrow gate. That's a good example. This isn't a foreign concept. John chapter 6, verse 27, do not labor for food which perishes, but for food, that means labor, for food which endures to everlasting life. Second Peter chapter 1, giving all diligence, add to your faith, I'll say this is action, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love, this is a long list. <laughs> Be diligent about it. be sure or be diligent to make your call and election sure that is work it's work on yourself it's investing it's spiritual work making certain of where you stand you have been in all diligence adding to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control on and on it goes This is hard work. This is call to action. And thus far, we've only looked at passages here which speak of action on the inward man, on ourself. There's also that call to action externally. And I'm running out of time, but... External work. The laborers are few. The harvest is plenteous. Ask the Lord that he would send laborers into the harvest, and that includes you. Laborers. Hard work, not easy work. Titus chapter 2. Be zealous for good works. Titus chapter 3, maintain good works. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we are God's fellow workers. Let each one take heed how he builds on the foundation that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. On and on it goes. Each one's work will be revealed and become clear, whether it is gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, straw. It says, for the day that is the day of judgment will declare it by fire. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but himself will be saved. So speaking to the believer about our work, we're called. We're called to labor. We're called to build the kingdom. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to care for the poor. We're called to care for the widowed and the orphans. We're called to love those around us in word and in deed. We are called to be God's hands and God's feet in the world that so is is desperately lost. This is no small calling. This is a huge responsibility and a great privilege. We must be busy about the master's work. He saved us for good works which he has ordained before time began for us to walk in. We are, we are not masters. We are servants. And what does a servant do? Serves. We're called To the work and yes it is not light it is not easy it's hard work but the second point there is that god is at work christianity is god's work as hard as you think you're working god is working in you and through you to a a much greater degree if you will but yield to him after all apart from him you can do nothing in john chapter 15 jesus said i am the vine you were the branches He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, Christ says, you can do nothing. If you are laboring and striving without him, it is nothing. It must be in him. Hebrews chapter 13, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work, to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 9, God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. You can The only way that you can have sufficiency in all things for every good work is God's grace abounding to you. On and on and on it goes. Scripture declaring that you cannot do this on your own. It has to be. It is according to his power. And what power is that? It is the same power which raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That is the power that is at work within you, enabling you and prompting you and convicting you and kicking you occasionally (laughs) to be busy about the Master's work. It is... Him at work within you. Now, I've given you probably enough verses to occupy you all week if you want to take your time working through them. But the truth is self-evident. I think it is. This is not a complicated message. (laughs) Christianity is hard. But it also belongs to God. It is His work. We are called to it. We are to labor and strive and invest ourselves, and we are to put our hands to the plow and not look back. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. We are to obey in all things. We are to submit. We are to serve. We are to redeem the time. We are to preach the gospel. We are to die to self. We are to humble ourselves, and I'm sure there are probably another thousand directives within the word of God. That's what the New Testament is. It's filled with a whole lot of directives. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff there too, but there's a lot of directives in there for you. And for me, over and over again, the Word of God calls us to action. It calls us out of our complacency and out of our apathy and into really what is a battle. It calls us, this is a battle cry, or a call to battle, a call to arms, if you want to look at it that way. But it is not our battle. It's a, it's a call to battle, but it's not our battle. It's not our war. It's not even our effort. It is the work of God in us and through us and to the world around us. It is God's. He is at work. Now, why do I share these things? What difference does it make? First, I share this to call us to action. It's really to call us to action as I did last week, to live out what we say we believe, to live the truth of the Word of God, to command and to exhort and to encourage and to direct us to live lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. To live it. If you don't live it, you don't believe it. We profess to believe an awful lot of things we don't live. And the way we live proves what we say we believe to be a lie. Live it. Live out the word. It's a call to action. We need to get moving. But in the midst of that, I realize a dilemma. Many of you are only hearing me say, Get moving. And you're already feeling whipped and beaten into the mud. You're feeling like you've already been pressed down there. And that every ounce of energy has been drained out of you. To those, I would say to you, I would say, if that is you, I would say, stop. Now, that might have some repercussions. if you are beaten to pieces by this in the sense that you can't function anymore, that there's no joy, there's no gladness, especially if there's no joy in this, if there's no joy for you in serving Jesus Christ, then something's wrong. It means you're doing it out of your strength and your resources. And so to you, I would say stop. Don't hear that if you're not moving, okay? Okay? If you're not moving, get moving for Jesus Christ. But if you are moving and you've been moving as long and as hard as you can and persistently as you can, then stop. Stop and rest in God. Stop and rest in God. It is His work, not yours. You aren't that important. It's not all on your shoulders, it will not all fall apart. The kingdom of God will not cease tomorrow if you stop what you're doing today. Okay? Even locally. Even in your sphere of influence. It is His work in you. It is His work in the world around you. So stop thinking that you're the only one who can move the mountain in front of you and stop thinking that if you slow down or even pause for a small increment that God's work will cease. God's work is bigger than you. It's bigger than you're giving him credit for. So trust him and rest in him, allowing him to accomplish his work within you. So this morning, two simultaneous truths. Christianity is hard and we're called to labor hard. Christianity is not your work. It is God's work. These are complementary truths, not contradictory statements. There's a lot of those within the Word of God. Sometime I want to do a study on complementary truths. God's sovereignty, man's freedom. (laughs) There's a big one. Doesn't contradict each other. My sinfulness, and yet in Christ my perfection, that I am a saint, that's not a contradictory statement, but a complementary one. God has called you, if you are in Jesus Christ, if you have owned Him as Lord and Savior, received His grace, which has been poured out for you. He has called you to give your all, to be poured out and spent for Him. He has called you to labor hard for Him. But He is at work. It is His work. So work and allow Him to be God, working in you and in the world through you. Don't allow those two truths to be contradictory in your life, but allow them, enable them to be simultaneous realities. Work and trust God to work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are doing a glorious work. We thank you that your work did not end at creation or even at the resurrection, but that you continue to work in your body, the body of Jesus Christ, and through your body to the world around. We thank you that you have called us, not to something that is light, not to something that is superficial, not even to something that is simplistic, but you have called us to the glorious work of your ministry, to be your body, to live out what we believe, to walk worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, to live fully pleasing him, to preach the gospel, to go into all the world. We thank you that you set such an incredible standard that it is high, it is lofty, it is beyond what we could ever attain. We thank you that you knowing we could not attain it provided the power that was necessary for us as children of God by faith to attain what you call us to. You set the standard and you provided the equipping in Jesus Christ. Cause us to labor hard, to be diligent, to be disciplined, to bring our body into subjection. But as we do so, cause us to trust that we work, we labor, we strive according to the glorious power, that same power of God which raised Jesus Christ from the dead. We pray this in his wonderful name. Amen.